Maybe you've heard the opposite of this, but we're going to try this. What you don't know can hurt you. Is that true? You know it is, right? What you don't know can hurt you. I'm going to tell you this. It is February 27th today. If you were married on this day, this is your anniversary. And if there's a man in here who this is your anniversary and you just now realized it's the 27th because I just said it, you have gotten yourself in trouble. Now, you can say to your wife, I didn't realize what day it was. It will not matter. The judgment of her opinion will not take into consideration your foolish ignorance of what day it was. Is that true? What, <laughs> what you don't know can hurt you. Maybe you're, maybe you're driving through this area and you thought, hey, I thought it was 65. Well, it was lower to 45, just, just a little bit. And you say to the cop, well, I didn't know. And guess what he'll say? Oh, in that case, I won't write you the ticket. Not. You'll need the same amount of money if you did it on purpose as if you did it in ignorance. What you don't know hurts you. I learned this the other day. It wasn't long ago. If you mix bleach with vinegar, it creates a deadly gas. How many knew this? You knew that. I did not know that, but I do now. Does anybody know what the name of the gas is? You don't know, do you? You, don't, you just know that it's terrible. I put those two together, cleaning something. I didn't even realize. I just ran out of bleach, so I put the other in there. And suddenly, I, the world started spinning. And I thought, something's wrong. I'm getting out of here. And I got out of it. When you do that, you create chlorine gas. And it can kill you if you hang around too long. And I wanted to say, but I didn't know. And the gas says, I don't care. I don't care. What you don't know can hurt you. This is true of so many things. But I love this passage because what God says to us, I want you to know. And I want you to believe. I want you to see at verse 3. There are people that were going around preaching, using Scripture, no less, saying that marriage is not allowed for Christians and you should abstain from meat that God created, right? But God created all that. It's good for those who believe and know the truth. God gives us His Word, fills us with His Spirit so that we can believe and know the truth. We won't have to live in ignorance. We won't have to discover we were wrong or didn't know. And we don't have to be alarmed and fretful and stressed and anxious because of some teaching that goes around and we didn't realize that it wasn't based on truth. And it gets us all riled and it makes us wonder and we're calling people at three in the morning, preacher, is this right or not? You do not have to be that way. God wants you to believe and know the truth. And because of Scripture, you can believe... What God says is the truth, but not just believe it. You can know it so fully, it sinks down deep into your heart, into your conscience, and you can live off of that knowledge without ever wondering, is that going to be proven wrong? You don't have to ever wonder that. You can believe and know the truth. Why? Because these Ephesian people that, that Paul is writing to through Timothy, when he's writing to them, he's telling them, <coughs> somebody's come around and they've given you this false teaching. And it's gotten you all riled and all upset, and you don't need to be. I don't want you to have to be. Now, Paul knows this, familiar, because uh, a few years after the church started, he wrote in Acts chapter 20, he called the elders to him and said, guys, listen, you are in a spot in Ephesus for some reason 
that false teaching runs through there like crazy. There's constantly people coming to the Ephesian church with false doctrine that needs to be corrected. And I just want you to know as elders, you might as well get used to it because of where you live. Then a few years later, he writes the letter to the Ephesians. And here's what he says. I want to give you the truth, and I want to give you preachers, teachers, elders, all these people, until you attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. I want you to know. I want you to know beyond the shadow of doubt what the truth is, right? Till you get maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want you to reach that mature level so that here's why I want you to have the truth. Here's why I want you to have good elders. Here's the reason why I want you to have good Bible classes. Here's the reason why I want you to have a preacher that preaches the truth from Scripture and not just man's philosophy, so that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the winds, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. I don't want every guy that comes along and writes a new book or every preacher on TV that preaches a new message to disrupt you and to make you anxious and worried and fretful and to toss you back and forth like a like a twig on the open ocean. I don't want you to be that way. I want you to be solidly grounded in the truth. There's something peaceful, y'all, about knowing the truth so much that when error is brought to your attention, it doesn't even make your blood pressure go up a point because you know the truth. That's where God wants you to believe and know the truth. And if we'll do that, there's some benefits. That's what this passage says. I want you to notice them because they're really cool points. Look at verse 1. Now the Spirit, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly, the only time it appears in Scripture, expressly, clearly, emphatically says. Stop right there. The Spirit says... In later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits. The Spirit didn't say in the past. The Spirit is saying right now. The Spirit, present tense, is speaking to us, saying, don't be surprised when there's a bunch of people who won't accept the faith of God. You realize the Holy Spirit still speaks Paul doesn't say he said back there when Jesus said this, or he says it back there in the Old Testament. He says, the Spirit says right now. He's clearly speaking to you, us, right now. We are not comfortable with that language in Churches of Christ. The Spirit is speaking to me. The Holy Spirit has told me, expressly saying that this that is happening in Ephesus is exactly what he's told us all along. The Holy Spirit is living and active. We don't have a Bible that we read out of that's 2,000 years old, and we have to update it constantly with new information about our modern era. It is a living and active document. The Holy Spirit, who inspired the writer in his pen to write these words, also lives in you. So the same Spirit who provided the written word also lives in you to be a living, on-the-job, on the in-real-time interpreter of those words. And he speaks all the time. He goes, oh, you ever watch something happen in life and you go, oh, that's what the Bible means. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But if you don't put the word in your head, it can't be there for the Spirit to use it 
to bless your life. I don't know if you read the language of the New Testament, but that be in step with the Holy Spirit, it's like you get the sense when you read this that the Holy Spirit is a daily partner in your life. He's not just there on Sunday mornings to give you guidance and then you know kick you out the door and say, hey, good luck till Wednesday night. It's like he's living in you, being a constant speaker into your head of truth. That's what it means. Walk in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Produce the fruit of the Spirit. He is working to apply the words He's given you already to an actual real-life event that's right in front of you. And He's speaking. Are you, are you uncomfortable with that language? Spirit told me. And that's what Paul is saying right here. I'm more afraid of people who never hear the Spirit speaking than I am of people who do. He Either we're not listening to him, or we don't know the word clear enough to hear it whenever it's applied in real life. If you don't hear him, you're either deaf or you don't know the word. And I'm telling you, your daily life should be a, a life where you hear the Spirit speaking often because he's applying that word to your life. Walk in step with the Spirit. Let's be a people who believe and know the truth so well that the Spirit can use it in our minds. And when you see something in life that needs to be applied, He put the instruction in there, and now He's applying that instruction to this very thing in your life. When you're about to tell the lie, the Holy Spirit should talk to your brain. When you're about to do that thing you should not do, the Holy Spirit will be talking to you if you will listen. You can turn off that message. You can ignore him all you want to, but he is speaking and you can't deny it and you can't blame it on God when you go ahead and run the stop sign. Holy Spirit speaking. Are you listening? The Spirit says, Paul says, and this is the second thing, you, you can, if you believe and know the truth, you can discern when somebody's departing from it. Some in later times will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences have been seared. You can discern when somebody actually turns away from the truth. You don't have to tell them. You don't have to write up their names and you don't have to bring them before the elders, but you need to be able to recognize when somebody holds a position where they have departed from the faith. And it, it's, not a, it's not that their faith has weakened. Here's the, the way we use language is weird. Here's how faith comes. God gives us his truth. It's written in his word. He gives us his truth as we study that truth. As we assume, as we internalize that truth, as we obey that truth, as we believe that truth, as we live that truth, we, we have a stronger and stronger faith because we are living by the faith. But if at any time we decide certain aspects of that truth, we don't believe. I just don't like it, so I'm not going to do it. I, I don't like it, so I'm not going to believe it. As you decide that there's certain things you're not going to do that the faith would require, you are departing from not your faith, you're departing from the faith. You are deciding to leave it. And there are going to be people who advocate the truth, believe the truth, and worship with you, grew up with you in church, sat by you in your pew, and have proven that they're very faithful, and they are going to decide to turn away from that faith. They're going to depart from it. They're going to absolutely leave it, and it's going to hurt 
your heart. And it's also going to tempt you to do the same thing. And you must not do it because you can tell when somebody has departed from the truth. And how can you tell? Because you believe and know what the truth is. And they're not following it. Now, why would somebody do that? In this passage, he tells us why. They are devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings taught by demons. We Americans don't talk this way. This is where we're sophisticated. We are modern people. And so we don't believe in demons and the spiritual realm around us. And yet, you cannot accept the New Testament without believing in the demonic and the spiritual realm that influences us. You absolutely have to know this. We are all, this is weird, we are all spiritual people influenced by spirits all the time. Listen to 1 John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. What? How many of you have tested the spirits lately? Anybody tested the spirits lately? What do you mean? Hand them, a, hand them a 10 questions and see what they say. What do you mean? Because here's the thing. Everything that we believe, everything that we see comes from a belief system being operated. Watch commercials. Watch sitcoms. They're preaching messages at you, trying to desensitize you to the message of the world. Are they not? Have you watched commercials lately? They're getting weirder and weirder and weirder. eHarmony.com. And it's two women. It's two women meet on eHarmony.com and they found their mate for life. That's stuff coming at you, trying to get you to accept this. And it's just normal. And y'all, we're raising our kids and they have to see that. They see it all the time. And all of a sudden it becomes normal. That's a sermon being preached. That's a spirit being advocated. You've got to decide, do I believe that spirit or not? Because not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. People, every person you've ever met is a spiritual being. They're being influenced by the spiritual, but it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of this world give you proof of this. Even you are like this. This is weird, I know, but listen to Ephesians chapter 2. This is you. This is you. So be listening very carefully because this is your life. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, you were just doing what you saw being done around you. That's all you were doing, right? Uh, not exactly. Following the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan. Satan and all his influence. So listen, when you just follow what everybody else does, you are following the prince of the power of the air. It may look like you're doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah, but what they're doing is by following that spirit. That spirit that God, that, 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 that the world has put in them, right? And that spirit, right? Uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, those people who do not respond to the truth, that's the spirit they follow. They're spiritual people. They're following the spirit that they're listening to. And it's not the Holy Spirit. We all lived among them at one time. Every one of us served this spiritual realm. 
the passions of our flesh, the thing the body wants, that thing I was born with, and if I'm really authentic, I'll be true to, is a lie. An absolute total lie. And the world is swallowing it. And even Christians are swallowing that stuff because it is so convincing. It is a spiritual teaching by evil. And we are, we are just advocating it. How can that be wrong? Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Uh, and we are by nature children of wrath. We just, as you follow your fallen mind, you're following the spiritual realm that's evil. We are all living in that until... Next screen. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our transgressions made us alive together, when we were buried with Christ and rose, we died to that spiritual realm and we were raised to the Holy Spirit realm. That's why baptism is where we meet the Holy Spirit. God knows he has to offset the influence of the world with his own. He has the Holy Spirit come live in us and now we are to live out of that spirit, not the demonic of the world. This sounds weird, and I know it, and I don't know how to make it sound normal. We got to start speaking this way, but that's our life. Next screen. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, right? We have a different war going on. When it, listen, we have every bit the war that the Ukrainians have, but it's not against the same enemy. And we can't, out, we can't just hand out Smith and Wessons and give you ammunition to go out there and fight it because this is a totally different war that you've got to fight. It's a war of your spirit and your mind, and you've got to fight it with different weapons. You've got to fight it with the truth. You've got to know the truth enough to be able to fight error when it comes in. You've got to fight it with prayer and wrestling, and you've got to fight it with each other. And we can, de we can demolish strongholds if we do that. This is a different war. That's why it says, Ephesians chapter 6, next one, I think. Next one. I didn't put that. Ephesians 6, do you remember this? Put on the full armor of God, right? For our battle is not against, does anybody remember? Our battle's not against... Randy, flesh and blood. It's not people. It's not people with faces and voices, but against the principalities and powers that's behind them. Now, you say, I've never, I've never given into a spirit like that. I understand that. Notice what it says, though. Do you know how the spirits work? Devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. These, these, these spiritual influences find people who will be a spokesman, and most of them are very charismatic. Most of them are very convincing. They're very compelling preachers. They, they, they teach this stuff, and they teach it in a way that just sounds like it must be biblical. It must be right. And they teach it, and they get people led astray, and they're no longer sincere because they, know no, they no longer even recognize the truth if it hits them in the face. But they're going to go because why? Because they're getting a following, because they're getting money out of it. There's all sorts of influences, but there's a spokesman. There's a salesman for the evil spirits of the world. And they're very good preachers and they're very good book writers and they're very compelling and they're usually on the top 10 list of the New York Times bestsellers. And they are the ones who are advocating this. Now, this is weird, I know, but we're gonna get a solid concrete example here in just a second. That's the third one. When you believe and know the truth, you can live with peace and joy and confidence. Okay, so here they come to church one Sunday, he says. Notice verse 3. 
and the teacher or the preacher gets up because uh, that's somebody's preaching or teaching that day, and he says, you can't be married, people. All of you who are married, you need to not be married. And you don't need to eat meat. And they use Scripture to support that. And you're like, what did they say? Here's what I think they said. I want you to follow this reasoning. We get this from 2 Timothy when he writes him the second time, and he says, I know there's a lot of people there who say the resurrection has already taken place. There are Christians who believe they're living a heavenly life in this life. They're supposed to live like it's heaven. That sounds like a neat idea, but let me give you an example. What do you know about heavenly life? There is a, we're going to be like the angels in heaven. There's going to be what? No marriage, no given in marriage, no having children. These people said since the resurrection's already happened, you can't be married, you can't have children. So if you're married, by Tuesday y'all need a divorce and you need to come back by next Sunday all single. That's pretty disruptive. If you really believed I was saying that, like I was really advocating that, that would really kind of disturb you. Also said, we need to be like in creation. Did you, you do realize, right, Adam and Eve were vegetarians? Humanity was a vegetarian animal until after the flood. And then God said, you can eat animals. But before then, they were all vegetarian. I don't know why. That's the, that's the worst part of creation, I can imagine, is, is the whole vegetarian thing. No, no offense to those of you who are vegetarian. I don't understand you, though. But anyway, so, so these people said, no, no, so you can't eat meat anymore. So this guy got up, and he was very good. He put verses together, and he made them sound very reasonable and got everybody ruffled and excited and nervous and anxious because we're not supposed to be married, and we're not supposed to eat certain meats. We've got we to gotta go home and clean out our cupboard, and we've got to go home, and we've got to divorce by Tuesday, and we've got to get this right. because this. And they're all just upset. I mean, you can imagine what it would be like if you really thought the preacher was saying that. Paul says to Timothy, you believe the truth, you know the truth. This shouldn't even ruffle you at all. Notice what he says. God created them to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. You know better than that, Timothy. Y'all know better than that because creation, Genesis, is part of the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. It's part of, what's part of gospel truth is that all this is from God, and God made it all for humanity. He made it for our good. Do you remember what God said after he created a thing? He stepped back and he said, oh, that's very good. That's good. God in his word, by his very mouth and also by his written word, said everything I created was good, and it's for my people's enjoyment. It's for my people's sustenance. Don't you dare take what is good from God and make it something shameful. You guys should know better. He says it three times in here. You should know better. Everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. It's made holy by the word of God and prayer. This is where prayer for your food before you eat it comes from. And it's a very good practice. I don't think your prayer sanctifies food. God sanctified the food by making it in the first place. It's his idea, not yours. But what God loves to know is that you know that and you thank him for it. And when he says it's good and you thank him for it and you know the truth and you believe it enough to actually eat that food, God is delighted and so are you because it tastes really good. By the way, marriage is the same way. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is not 
our country's idea. It's not an amendment. It's a statement from God, and he's the one who created it. He said, one man, one woman for life, it's good, and I created it because there's a problem. I don't, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'm going to create marriage so that they can enjoy it. If you decide not to get married, that's A-OK, but if you choose to, no one can tell you marriage is bad because it's God's idea. And don't let somebody take God's idea and mess it up. Countries have messed it up. But if you're God's people, you know exactly what it's for and how to honor it. And because you believe and know the truth, listen, there's no reason for you to get all uptight about this false doctrine going around. And y'all, there's all sorts of things I could apply this to in modern language, in modern times. All sorts of things, but I want to keep it positive. And I'd say this. Every service we come together for, no matter what the sermon is about, no matter what else is going on in the world, what you're going to find when you come to Valley View every time is somewhere in that service, we're going to pause everything. It's going to get a little bit quiet, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And we're going to remember. And why, why do you think it's so important to Jesus to make sure we remember this? Yeah, he wants us to remember his death on the cross, no doubt about it, how brutal it was, but he wants us to remember what it was for because this world will try to tell you it wasn't that. Here's what I mean. Any other world religion says you have to work off the bad you do by having a corresponding good that you do, and it's got a way better on the good than the bad. And I've even heard Christians say that. And I've heard Christians who face death and they wonder, I'm just a little worried that I did enough good. Enough good? Is that the confidence you're facing your death on? No one can ever live long enough or, in these other religions, live enough lives. because they, Do you know why reincarnation came? Because they needed more lives than they had to be able to pay off all the bad they did. Do you know what religion we serve? A God who says instantly, it's done. Far as the east is from the west, it's gone. Quit beating yourself up for those past sins and feeding that shame within you. Quit living in shame, Christians. There's no reason to do that, that you should know better. And every Sunday, I'm going to make you take that fruit of the vine. I'm going to take you that bread, and I want you to put it in your mouth, and I want you to remember it so that you drive that shame out of your life, and don't you ever let it get a foothold because it doesn't belong in your life. You don't need to be living like I've got to go and pay off those old debts, like I could never be good enough, like I've got to pay off that by living better. Like None of that's true. And if you don't know that, it will hurt you. If you don't know that, it will hurt you. And I know that because I've seen, especially Church of Christ people, live with shame all the way till the time of their death and die with uncertainty. And there's no reason for it. And as if God knew that we would be forgetful, he said, don't let a week go by that you don't believe and know 
that my son died for you and you are loved and you are caught up and you are even with me and you are pleasing to me. You are a joy and a delight to me and I have forgiven you of all of it and none of it's ever going to come back. I'll never hold any of it against you again. It is gone. Now I want you to live like it and I want you to quit trying to pay off a debt he already paid. What you don't know will hurt you. What you know, what you believe and know can set you free. And this morning, if you're a person who lives with that regret, because literally you've never had that sin taken off your shoulders. You've never had that sin taken off your account. You've never had the blood of Jesus there to purge you of that. You are guilty. You are burdened. You do have that shame. You do have that guilt you're carrying around. And I'm telling you, and so is everybody in this church, quit doing it. There's a great truth. We celebrate every Sunday. And if you come back, we're going to celebrate again next Sunday. We're going to gather around this table and celebrate. We don't have to bring some animal in here and slaughter it to pay off our sins. There's already been a Savior who's done it, and we don't ever have to face the consequences of our sin. Is that good news? And you need to know it. You need to believe it, and you need to know it. Because if you don't, it can hurt you. And God gave it to you so you'll stop hurting and start living with peace and joy and confidence every day. If there's anyone who needs that, you're living with that burden and you need to drop it this morning, we're not going to give you a process to go through that you can drop it. You're going to drop it right now, instantly, with your confession of Jesus with your lips your immersion in the water baptism, and your knowledge and your awareness right now. We'd love to see it as we stand and as we sing to encourage you.